Giant on an early pick kick could be massive. Smurfs in under a lot of pressure, but here's a sour barrier. Sour barrier. Here's the blade. This could be it. The boss and uprising recent for glorious part of playoffs, and the sweeps come in. Spectra finally brought down. The immortality field won't stop the bleed. It won't stop the avalanche. And the boss and uprising secure their spots in Toronto. Welcome to the weekly uprising. Hello and welcome everyone to the weekly uprising. It has been a very exciting few days of Overwatch League, a very confusing few days of Overwatch League. Uh, we're going to talk about our match, our nail biter against Toronto Defiant, uh, how the, the losers bracket for the play-ins wrapped up, and we're going to get a little bit into the playoffs, you know, the playoffs, finally. Playoffs? Playoffs? Talking about playoffs? Playoffs? Uh, we are talking about it, and it's going to be kind of confusing because the way the bracket was formed is, yeah, we'll get to that. But anyway, I am one of your hosts tonight, Snowy. I am joined, of course, by the one and only Danny Rand. I am the one and only Danny Rand. I do say that just as like a course of habit when, of course, you are explicitly not the one and only Danny Rand. Uh, often imitated by me. But never emulated <laughs> that's a, or whatever the expression is. Is that a beer slogan? No, it's like a I don't know. It's like a, a thing, thing that like 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 cool guys say in movies, you know, like often imitated, never replicated, or something. I don't know. Right. Maybe it's a beer right. thing, but I feel like I can see like Ash from the Evil Dead saying it or something like that. Well, if we're gonna talk about imitations, uh we should start by talking about Smurf's superb imitation of someone on Arisa against Toronto Defiant. What a transition. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess we'll get right into it. Uh, the one thing that it's funny you bring up uh, Smurf uh, as the first thing, because something that was kind of sticking in the back of my head in this game that I was like, I wonder if Snowy has an opinion on this. Um, we got a new like, I feel like I always say this is like my favorite Uber and X interaction, but I think it's just that I like like them and I don't remember them all. So I go, oh, this one's my new favorite. But when Smurf Terra surges in that little hallway on um uh whatever map that is um whatever the control map I forget the name um the control center but and he kills a bunch of people and then Smurf or um Uber just goes like uh like the throne of Doctor Stone they're petrified oh yeah and, and then Mister X is like I don't even know what that is but if it's like that it ain't good <laughs> it's just like. I never felt like I identified more with Mr. X. I'm just like, I still have no idea what that is or anything. And it's just like one of those things that Uber says to like show that he's like cultured in some way, shape or form. But I was just like, I don't know what that is, but it clearly can't be good. <laughs> like, it's just I, I love it because for like a brief moment, it's the weeb flexing on the non weeb for like, you don't know this cultural reference. haha, <laughs> And you just don't get that in traditional sports. <laughs> Oh, that's an anime thing? Yeah, Dr. Stone's a popular anime series, and it literally, not even a spoiler, opens with like the whole world being like Medusa-esque turned to stone. Huh. Yeah, I assumed it was either a really old movie or like a book that I should have read, because it gave me like Dr. Strange love vibes, so I sure. assumed like something of that nature. But yeah, okay, so uh, today I learned. But anyways, yeah, that was, a, that was just a great little moment that came out of Smurf. Uh, 
playing the Arissa. But uh, to talk about the actual game, yeah, I mean, this was, uh, you know, this first map was very kind of uh, I'm literally back and forth, right? Going to the 2-1. Um, but the the middle map, the gardens that Toronto won, like that was like not even close. So this was, I mean, at no point should anyone have felt like great in the middle of this game, basically once it started. But that was like another like, we squeaked out that control point. The times that we won were, you know, pretty decisive, but we still were a fight or two away, you know, from losing this first map. So it's just, it, it didn't make me feel, um, it, it felt good, obviously, to get the win, but it didn't lend a ton of confidence leading to the rest of the map. Decay looks like he unlocked a little bit. There was um, a couple points where Bird Ring was like doing well, nothing like crazy. I mean, it wasn't like him in the kill feed the whole time. Um, so nothing, yeah, nothing that like seemed like we were playing bad. It just felt like Toronto was kind of in their wheelhouse right now. And especially with, I personally had thought that what ended up happening for the, um, the two teams to get through the playoffs, I thought that was going to happen, but with the entire desk being like Boston and Toronto will be the two teams. I felt less confident because I was like, oh, people smarter than me think that Toronto's the second best team in these playoffs. So, uh, there was a lot of kind of apprehension and that first map, especially with the second point going the way that it did. And I mean, Toronto was just playing stylistically different, you know, playing more Torb and stuff like that, but uh, it, it didn't feel great leaving this first map. What, what shade to London, by the way, because literally I remember when Boston and London were playing our first play in match. I remember the exact commentary was, wow, these are probably the two best teams in the play-ins right now. Nobody's going to push Boston as far as London has right now. Uh, And then they lose and go to the loser's bracket, and apparently the desk forgets they exist. And Toronto pulls off the arguably upset, but at the very least reverse sweep against the Vancouver Titans. And all of a sudden, they're the clear second best team. It felt a little bit scriptwriter to me, especially with Toronto hosting playoffs and kind of this, you know, take Boston out of it. Yeah. I'm also rooting for Toronto. I love the idea of a home crowd rooting for its team. And I did root for Toronto in the losers bracket, but it wasn't meant to be. The, uh, the thing to be said about the, cause that was Mr. X who was talking about, uh, London being the second best team. And this is no shade to like the desk in general, but like Mr. X has been a pro player and pro coach in gaming for like 12 years like before even touching Overwatch League. So his opinion kind of, in my opinion, has a lot more weight in it sometimes uh, than some of the other deaths, especially after like, you know, seeing that. I mean, it seems like they're kind of being more yuck heavy than they were in the past. But like even when Mr. X is being lighthearted, it's still there's times where he tries to play like the like the himbo type character. But you you got to remember that he comes from like one of the greatest pedigrees in professional gaming that at least in the Western worlds that we currently have. So uh, I, I put a little bit more stock in his opinion than some of the other people in the desk, not just trying to throw shade, but it's, it's just, it seems like the opinions were coming from two different places. That's, that's totally fair. And maybe that's why the London being the second best team turned out to be the right opinion. After all, let them, let them play their Was it clockwork vendetta that just ran like an Orissa Torb meta and was yeah, like, they did the ice fishing thing. They yeah. were running Hog and Arissa. Yeah, everyone else can deal with it. This is what we're running, and no one else could deal with it because they just it. You know, if I'm looking at this as like an Overwatch developer, this is great. The fact that you have a meta that is arguably balanced enough that 
a team can run a non-meta comp and if they perfect it it is better than some other teams at least running the meta comp like rock paper scissors there is some more balance to this than maybe we've seen historically where there just is a meta and everyone's just running mirror all day and you maybe get one or two deviations from that but that's kind of boring yeah i mean atlanta did that the uh the last year of overwatch one right atlanta took it all the way to the grand finals just playing rush because they knew they'd never be able to beat shanghai at the like wrecking ball meta so they just said, all right, we'll be the best at Rush, and we understand we won't beat Shanghai when we get to the Grand Finals, but hey, at least we can get to the Grand Finals only playing Rush. So there is definitely a uh, a precedent for that. Yes. So to recap kind of the, the Toronto match, it we played Li Jing Tower. That was close. We managed to win that. That's the name of the map. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Uh, but then honestly, like... Toronto just looked real good on Numbani and Suravasa. And it was kind of a bummer to lose Suravasa because I feel like we'd been looking really strong on that map up until this point. Yeah, I mean, Numbani was um, like almost kind of a joke. Uh, and I mean, I've, a big thing that they kept talking about was the uh, the Calio swap, despite not switching heroes. It wasn't like he was playing a traditional off tank, um, just still playing on the Orisa. And there were definitely times where he was getting like a ton of kills, uh, but there was the big one that they kind of pointed to was on that point B, you know, Kaluja's on the Sigma, just being a tank and moving the cart. And then Kaleos got like three picks, but we lost like all of that part cart progress. So there was just a little bit of a stylistic difference that I kind of now realized it makes sense that in our like hype video, all of the Kaleos highlights are him playing Reinhardt. Like the dude's playing Arissa, like she's Reinhardt. Um, mm. And, it's just being a very aggressive player at it. So, and again, it, it feels bad to just like point fingers anytime, like something changes. I mean, we also had the twilight Izaki backline for that map, but uh, you know, it, it looked, that was the worst we looked. I mean, at least in Suravasa there were, we took a couple points here and there. There were a couple um, like really sick nano blades um, and, you know, decay was doing uh Sorry, Decay was doing, you know, it seemed like he was trying to do his level best on Suravasa, but um, it definitely, Nimbani was, I think, the worst look that we had, um, almost inarguably, out of these five. Oh, I think I texted you at this point in Suravasa where it wasn't so clear-cut in Toronto's favor, but Genji was popping off. Decay on Genji was popping off. Like, it was, he was active in the kill feed, he was active in the neutral fight, the nanoblades were on point. Like maybe he just has always been this good, but it doesn't show as cleanly against London's Rhine meta. Um, but yeah, happily, happily ate a big old slice of humble pie there watching him pop off on that map and throughout this whole match. If you ever want to see how good decay looks. So I rewatched this game uh, just to, you know, kind of make sure I had it fresh in my memory, uh, but I didn't have a ton of time. So I watched it at times 1.75 speed dude watching decay, like whip out a dragon blade at 1.75 times speed. I'm just like, this is obviously it wasn't what actually happened, but I was like, this is how it feels when I use nano blade. Like this is how fast it feels like everything's moving around me. And he's just like, I got it. And it was, uh, it is a very impressive way to watch that game. That's awesome. I God, Overwatch is such a flashy and visual heavy game. I feel like that would be tough to watch it that quickly. Yeah, yeah definitely don't do it the first time. Just if you're going to record a podcast to do it to make sure that you have yeah. an impression or watch. Well, I feel like they used to release highlight videos pretty consistently. And that dropped off at some point during the season, which was a that shame. Was the, um, 
because the that other company like um action yeah, shown action yeah they action. were the ones shown like actually yeah. is that uh, what that was supposed to be oh i don't know i think they're just being let's spell this word weirdly but yeah i always read it as like actually um but anywho so we go into coliseo down 2-1 against toronto this is like if you don't have time to watch the whole thing you could watch it at 1.75 times speed or literally just watch the last two maps because on Coliseo, Toronto still looks great. We look good. They managed to get a big lead. I had it pulled up on, on my computer a while ago. It was like 85 meters Toronto to 50 meters Boston. And with like three and a half-ish minutes to go, Toronto makes like the most minor of mistakes, right? They try to overextend a team fight just a little bit too much. And we just come in and team kill. And so that gives us a nice, healthy start to recapturing some of this lost progress point. We get the bot back to the middle of the map. We get the bot back to the bridge. We're winning team fight after team fight. And before you know it, like we have pushed up to like a hundred something meters or something. We almost finished the map, which is incredible. Yeah. And this is, I think about when, and obviously someone will correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but this is when Smurf kind of was starting to go heavy into the Junker Queen. He he like pulled it out a little bit during Suravasa during one of the the panic fights. But um, Smurf also doing insanely well on Junker Queen, and uh, I think you know that sort of uh, pseudo rush heavy style was also being very helpful to us because I mean Decay was playing a bit more of that um that brawl style Genji. And uh, Bird Ring, this was a map where Bird Ring really came alive on the Sojourn, especially he, you know, playing against Hydron on the Soldier. And then he decides to switch over because he needs a little bit more of that, you know, that pick potential. And yeah, it was just a insane game as far as keeping your kind of mental fortitude and just realizing that you're not out until you're actually out. And there was a couple points where like the bot would keep stopping right where Toronto gets to defend on high ground. So it's like, even if we won the team fight, they get to walk out of their spawn out of high ground. And that's like a not great situation to be in. So just making sure that this team, despite having, we talked about this with the London game, right? You just, at one point, London had beat us on um, uh, Esperanza. And up to that point, like that was kind of our map. Um, or maybe it was in London. Anyway, recently we had talked about a map that we are very good at losing and then needing to come in and like win the next couple maps despite that mental boom, quote unquote. And this was another time where that happened, right? We're on Servasa, a map that we seem to be very good at. We come in, we lose a couple fights, we are down for a little bit. And then, you know, between Bird Ring plus Iziaki with Ant Matrix just wiping their team and, you know, Decay making sure to take full advantage of extensions and just Smurf being Smurf. Like this team kind of came together a lot on this final, um, on this push map. And yeah, it was just a, a really good testament of making sure that you understand that even though you're down in a series, you're certainly not out. Absolutely. And, and I think that is like, I saw a lot of YouTube chat after the match talking about Toronto choking, but like, this is such a high pressure situation for them in particular. Like they are trying to qualify for a home performance in the playoffs. And this is the map in theory where it can happen. They could have locked it in three, one to beat the uprising right here. And, you know, we, Sir Majed, I think got a lot of crap throughout 
the match for not playing maybe at peak potential. I don't think it's a one-player thing on the Toronto side either, just the way I wouldn't think it was a one-player thing on our side if we lost. I will say consistently with Toronto, Hydran can pop off, Spectra can pop off, but those two things can never happen at the same time. And I feel like <laughs> that's what really held them back here because you had Bird Ring clicking heads on Sojourn. You had Decay cleaning up kills. You had Izayaki cleaning up kills. You had Lee Jagon just existing on this map. He's going to be very important in a few seconds. We'll talk about uh, Circuit Royale in a second. But yeah, and you had Kaluj versus Smurf. And on pretty much any tank in the game, besides maybe like a Sigma 1v1, I give that to Smurf every time. So this was this was definitely the start of a, moment, of a momentum shift for us. I think we felt better about it. Uh, I would say, oh, maybe the Defiant got tilted. I don't think they got tilted, but I think this is where you start to have that doubt creep in and where we end up with the outrageous Circuit Royale map that we wound up with. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think get going right into the Circuit Royale, the the comp that um, Toronto was playing on defense is one of the most like aggressive, able to punish if you're not able to work around it types of uh comps that i've ever seen it was right i think it was the alari then it was the um or no it was the baptiste the zenyatta sojourn Widowmaker, sigma it's yep. like two of those things can basically kill you Th- three of those things can basically kill you on site and then you've got you know baptiste that's able to if they're not quite able to kill you on site give you window to definitely kill you on site and then the one opportunity you might have to like close the gap on someone, you've got a guy who can throw a shield in front of them. Like it is a, and and he also can do some pretty good damage at, you know, a, a for a tank, a pretty good range. Right. So that this is a, especially trying to play like, like Genji into this, this is either going to be feast or famine, right? Either you're going to yeah. be like using the deflect perfectly or like the second they see the deflect is gone, like it's kind of game over, right? You can't really close the gap. So uh, I think this was another time where talking about Smurf playing the Drunker Queen before, but they utilized between Legion on speed and Smurfs, um, you know, commanding shout, like just understanding that they needed to use the topography of the map to their absolute advantage or else there was just going to be no chance, right? And that first point was definitely the hardest fought. And then it felt like once we broke that first point, uh, we were able to, you know, it felt a little bit more comfortable from there, but it was looking scarily close to a full hold uh, for a little bit on that first attack. Yeah, I mean, you're playing without a shield tank into double sniper Zen and BAP, right? Like there's a lot of head clicking coming your way. And I don't know if you have the healing to deal with it necessarily, right? I mean, it definitely was you called out commanding shout combined with like speed boost, right? That I think was the secret weapon. If you want to call it anything that let us break this comp is it almost looked like a dive comp at times because you just had this perfect coordination among the uprising when they needed it to just say, okay, everyone go. And you got the, the amp it up or whatever Lucio's like speed boost is uh, commanding shout. And they would just go in and clean up a fight. And yeah, you had some like, you know, questionable transcendences from Sermajet on the Zen. But overall, like Boston fought tooth and nail to get the first point and then just kept looking more and more like the Boston we know and have known all season up until that clutch, you know, three seconds left uh, full point. And 
I'm trying to think like this match. I must have taken my like glasses off or my headset off like no less than three or four times where I'm just like, this is it. It's over. Like that's it. We're done. Uh, the first time was when Toronto managed to finish the map at all because I was just like, they've dominated us. If we're going to a tiebreaker situation with a minute left each, like they almost full held us on the first point. Like you said, like there's no way this is going to go well. Yeah, I was uh, I was watching this in my basement and I was like jumping up and down and there was like I, I was being very uh, almost like vaudeville slapstick with my like physicality just because I didn't really know what to do with my body during this map. And yeah, it was, I think, a huge part of there was a couple things, especially, you know, going into that overtime, right? Um, but there was a few times that, you know, you kind of felt pretty confident. Like that point B, we were pretty secure on. And then there was, you know, maybe a little bit of that pushback towards the end of trying to cap out point B. And then point C, like once we got that high ground, um, there was that point where like Decay was with Izaki, and then they kind of like pincered. It was like, okay, we have a cool, very good understanding of how to do this map. And it was just the fact that Toronto, they clutched it out, but it looked less, um, it, it looked like a clutch, right? It looks like we kind of had a plan and it looked like they had a clutch. So in your head, it's like, okay, if each of us can get to point three in one minute, I'm more confident in us, but it's, do we have a plan for point A? And then of course they whip out this um, May Bastion comp in overtime, immediately win that first team fight to, you know, isolate and kill Smurf. And it's like, that's when cheese works the best, right? When you're in those like overtime situations. So it just looked like one of those things that it was going to be like, are we really going to get sent to the lower bracket because of, you know, a, a May bastion comp. And then, and the yeah. answer was maybe <laughs> yeah, like perfectly timed may walls to isolate Smurf from the rest of the team. Bastion go brr, like, yeah, it worked really well. Yeah. And you know, getting that, not that you gain any time from getting a point but anytime in overtime the enemy gets one of the points it just like feels bad you kind of want to just like stop them sometime before getting that first capture point and but you know it, they got decently far i guess a very fortunate thing is we stopped them while you still can defend on high ground actually no that's not fortunate now that i think about it because then we have to attack into that but anyways uh yeah so you know we we got them to a a point that is very respectable for one minute. Like there's a ton of games that I've played an entire map on uh, for that map that I haven't gotten to where they did in one minute. So it certainly didn't feel like a great round to be going into with only four extra seconds. hundred percent. And the overtime rounds, like you said, were insanely stressful. Like I feel like this is where you saw cheese versus just like a team of veterans that knew what they were doing. Like, there is one particular moment where we commanding shout speed boost. And I think Kaluj tries to do gravitic flux, like to basically catch all of us at once. And you just see as much as we were all grouped up to jump in together, we all scatter. And I think he ended up only getting one pick from it on bird ring. Meanwhile, we've taken out ultraviolet. We've taken out hydron, like very stressful, but I feel like this is exactly the type of moment where our experience really shines and you can see how good of a team we are not just you know individual players but playing as a team now yeah. on the topic of individual players lee jay gone nearly gave me a heart attack twice just getting immediately head clicked by hydron on widow back to back uh and then he woke up the third time and chose violence and just went to town on the defiant 
Yeah. Talk about a veteran presence being the thing that gets you through something. Talk about getting headshot twice and then not just tilting and being like, fine, I'm going to go, you know, uh, whatever Moira and go full DPS just because I know I can like get back there on time. Like just understanding what you need to do and then also being like, oh, I'm just going to kill both their supports because I know I'm that confident a player. And it's just like that is Lee Jagon is for as much people will like, you know, give him crap for, you know, feed Jagon and all that stuff. It's just like, the dude knows how to get stuff done and when it absolutely counts. And it's just, this is a prime example of that veteran presence. I, I talked about a couple of weeks ago uh, during the regular season that I was kind of banking on this team, having the mental to be able to stare in the headlights and not blink where, you know, maybe Florida right now is looking like a stronger For, team. Forget than staring the in the headlights. They don't have that. Forget staring in the headlights. Lee Jagon gets hit by a car twice and then keeps running down the highway. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's, so this is a team that uh, at least I feel can be very mentally prepared for anything that comes ahead of them. And this was a while a nail biter and something that you always in the hindsight, you're like, oh, yeah, that was a great game. But like during the game, you're like, I really wish they just kind of like won. Um, But this was despite being a super stressful game, a game that will show that we should be able to be in some high stress situations. You would kind of hope that you don't need to put yourself in those high stress situations. If you're going to be playing teams that are better than Toronto. But despite that, if we get put in a weird situation, I feel like we can confidently get out of some of them. Yes. And I think we are going to need that confidence heading into playoffs. Yeah. Like actual playoffs for the first time since season one. Pretty crazy. It is. So exciting. And getting here was a journey, right? We had two very intense matches. Uh, Toronto sadly did not make a loser's bracket hero run. Uh, after Shock were eliminated very quickly, haha, called it. Uh, London ended up being the winner to come out of it, and pretty decisively, from what I remember. Um, I think it's just a matter of no one knows how to play them, really. We probably have the most recent experience against them, which is good because. Alpha has explained this in the Discord, and I'll do my best to recap it. But the like the way that the bracket selection for grand finals works just reminds me of the 30 Rock scene where Kenneth is explaining his weird version of Secret Santa. If Space can find that clip, I'd love to include it because that's literally how confused I was when like the next morning I woke up and saw, huh, this is what the bracket looks like. Okay. Um, but let me see if I can pull up alpha's very uh patient good explanation of it okay here we go uh tldr you have two brackets four teams each for reasons that don't make any sense those are being called east and west the west bracket has atlanta in it and the east bracket has soul infernal who wound up with the number one seed because of some weird tiebreak shenanigans. I'm not going to get into that at all. It's apparently BS, whatever. Uh, each team in a bracket goes in descending order to make a pick for the bracket, but they don't pick their immediate opponent. They pick a team to go into the other bracket. So Atlanta picks Florida to go to the East bracket. And then Seoul picks London to go to the West bracket because they don't want to play London because nobody wants to play London. 
Then London is now the second seed in the West bracket. So they pick Florida's opponent, which they choose Houston. So if you want like a preview of what grand finals could look like, or maybe should have looked like under a better bracket selection system, do not miss Houston versus Florida. Um, then Florida gets to retaliate. So they pick London's opponent. They pick Boston. So we are replaying London in the first round of the grand finals. This goes back and forth a little bit more, blah, blah, blah. Atlanta is going to play the Hangzhou Spark. We're going to play London. That's in the West bracket. Uh, Soul Infernal are going to play Dallas Fuel and Houston are going to play Florida. That's in the East bracket. Because reasons, East and West each have their own losers brackets. And so you end up with like a whole mini self-contained tournament that will spit out two teams that then play the grand finals, I think. Is that right? Yeah, it's, it's something. <laughs> I mean, I, it's just I'm used to brackets being weird like that when you have like you know prime numbers or something as the amount of people in it. I'm not used to it when you have like a perfect Eight cube teams. as the amount of people you have. <laughs> like it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I mean, I, it's kind of fun the way that you get to just be like play hot potato with London. Like that's kind of like a fun part of this whole thing but it's it's whatever i mean no part of the overwatch the history of the overwatch league playoffs has felt like 100 percent normal or fair i'm talking uh introducing brigida i'm talking uh uh 222 or sigma i'm talking you like we've all heard of all we decay on zarya subbing in for lulcius for the zarya roadhawk metal like every single playoff has had something that made it look like this isn't the game that we have been watching for a while they decided to rectify that by making the patch like a month old but then they said wait how do we make this weird and seem somehow oddly less competitive? I know. So it seems like there's just something about the way that they developed this league that they're like, there needs to be some way to potentially make it. So the best team doesn't actually win, which is an odd choice. It really feels like that. Like this is confusing. There's also been a lot of uproar over like postseason signings. Like who are you is now playing for Florida wonderful because they were terrible before and really needed that improvement uh yeah it's it's a head scratcher it's gonna make for some good overwatch i'll tell you that the fact that on like day one we get another boston london rematch and houston versus florida that's gonna be really exciting dallas versus soul infernal will be a nice intro to hey apac exists and these teams are probably good uh yeah i don't know you know it's bad when even the teams seem confused by by what happened the next day, but uh, but it is what it is, and so we are heading into a rematch with London. How how do we feel about that? Sorry, can I do one thing before you jump to that? Sure. Um, so one thing that uh, some of the people in the Discord were talking about, like how the APAC teams are going to do, and then they were like, "Oh yeah, F Dallas just goes hard into Zarya," and I was like. Are you telling me Apex been playing Zarya this whole year and I've literally not heard about it? Like, it's just, it's so <laughs> funny how easy it is to just like not know what's happening in half of the league because all of the games happen at three in the morning. I do not know how European te- uh, fans did it for so long. Um, kudos and shout outs to you, Alpha. Um, the second thing, Houston and Florida, 
I'm I'm gonna do a weeb thing now, but it's like the most mainstream one anyway. But it feels like in the Boo saga when they're doing their tournament and Goku gets paired with Vegeta in like the first round, and it's just like, what is gonna happen with this thing? And then a bunch of stuff happens and they don't end up fighting the game. Uh, but it just reminded me of that. The fact that the two teams that I feel like should be uh at least in the semifinals are very likely gonna, you know, just knock each other out to give us some sort of squeaking out by some other team. Um, but anyways, back to Boston versus London. Ah, dude, it's just like, I, I feel the same way every other team does. It's like, I just don't know. Yes, we did enough against London the first time, but it was still scary. And it's just like, at any point, there's just going to be a sim TP in your back line. And I have no idea what to do with that. It's just, it's one of those games that I, it might just come down to like map pick or whatever right if we slip up on a map that we chose and then you know it just kind of barrel rolls from there it's just it's a game that it's it feels hard to be confident in right even though we've done it successfully in the past guess what they've also lost to us successfully in the past so they know to not do the stuff they did before right you learn way more by losing something than by winning it so it's just it's a game that's scary. I don't I don't know that improvise and adapt is in London's playbook this season, though. I think they're still going to take their hammer to every nail they see. Oh, it can still be that, but it might just be like, oh, remember when you use the side of your hammer? Maybe use like the, the claw side of it this time. I don't know, like, or, you know, maybe protect your Baptiste a little bit more, right? Because it, like, I... I they might just find little things that they were like, oh, yeah, we were they were being collapsed on when this happened. So, like, let's make sure we use our Symmetra to protect him or whatever. Like, it's just yeah. it, it's not going to be anything big. I'm not expecting them to, you know, run with a, you know, Diva Sombra Tracer or anything like that. But it's it, they can make improvements and they probably will. I mean, they had a couple of great matches in the losers bracket, which I think just again, was more playtime, was more experience under pressure for like they picked Gibraltar as like the map five against Toronto. And in chat, we're just spamming like this is a Rhine map, by the way. Like, <laughs> and it was the way Hottie was playing it. You'd think it was like, well, as long as you have a Symmetra, Reinhardt is just a Winston with uh, uh, better 1v1 capability. <laughs> Winston with a hammer. Yeah. Like, it, it's wild. That's a good analogy, actually, because he just appears behind you all of a sudden swinging. Yeah. Um, and no cooldown for jumping away. It, <laughs> it's definitely a double-edged sword, right? Like, I want to feel confident, like, oh, we've played them, we beat them, we have the game tape. So do they, to your point. Like, they know how to improve against us. We know what they did last time, and that's all we know. I don't know that we're going to really iterate and change a ton other than just, like, do what we've been doing and keep doing it at a high level. So we'll see. I mean, we, I think, definitely have the scariest. Hey, if we were playing Atlanta, like immediately, I'd be more worried, but barely. London definitely feels like the second scariest team in playoffs right now, even if they're not the second best necessarily. Yes, that's a very good way to put that. So do we want to make, oh my God. And if we win, actually, regardless of who wins us or London, I'm assuming the winner of Hangzhou versus Atlanta is going to be Atlanta. Right. And so if Atlanta does what Atlanta has done all season, then Boston or London is just going to head right back down to the loser's bracket and presumably play London or Boston again. 
Uh, are we going to have played London like four times? Like, is there a world where we just play <laughs> London four times in this? Once in the play-ins, once to kick off playoffs. Let's say once in the losers bracket, the playoffs, like conservatively. Then we both make the semis. We play them again in the finals, maybe in some wild world. God, what no, a- we couldn't. We wouldn't both be able to make the semis, oh, right? Because if we right, fought the right, losers you're bracket, right. then the other you're right. You're right. Out. You're right. But let's say Spark pulls off a miracle, or we throw deliberately. No, because then you still have to play Atlanta. I don't know. <laughs> this double elimination thing, I think, is is good in general. I'm still confused why each bracket has its own losers run, but we'll see. I mean, <sighs> yeah. Usually, when I don't understand something, my like canned response is someone smarter than me figured this out. But like, honestly, I don't even know if that one's true on this one. Like, it just <laughs> feels weird. Like someone, someone weirder than me figured it out. Which honestly, that's kind of a weird. That's a hard bar to hit. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just it, it's gonna produce. It's eight teams all playing against each other in one place. It'll be good. Like it's going to be good. Oh yeah, so. it's it's going to be a lot of fun. I am going to be there. If you're there, I think we'll set up like a a new channel in the Discord for folks who are fortunate to be in Toronto when all this is happening. Uh, maybe we have a little Discord meetup. Be very cool. Yeah, um, Snowy, Snowy's got a. He's going to be all. Uh, he's got his credentials now. I mean, he's hashtag not in press badge, baby. Yeah, so you don't have freedom of the press, or I don't know, maybe Canada has, but uh, yeah, that's pretty exciting. I kind of assume Canada has everything we do, but just a little different or a little watered down. So I, I would assume they have freedom of the press. We'll see. I don't think I I'm going to get know where that is in our constitution, and I don't even know if they have one because you know I don't that's have fair. to know things from other. They, parts of the a long time ago, they asked the Queen very nicely if they could please have freedom of the press, and she said yes. Um, R.I.P. Uh, not really (laughs) uh yeah i'm looking at this bracket i'm i wanted to end the show with like bold predictions about what's going to happen and in the east i feel pretty confident like dallas first soul will be interesting houston florida is going to be good i think florida is going to win i think dallas is going to win i think florida is going to clap dallas i think houston's going to clap soul and then houston's going to clap dallas and we're just going to get houston florida out of the east bracket like probably most people would expect um Logan, like someone who has watched how many zero games have you watched <laughs> zero minutes of apac this season this is definitely like western almost just like cliche american tourist levels of overconfident uh i can't imagine a houston team losing to seal uh, I mean, we just started this with me not knowing if canadians have freedom of the press so like <laughs> we're at least following that throughput <laughs> That's true. That's true. And Dallas is kind of Dallas. I, I just can't see anyone getting excited for like a battle of Texas. If Dallas beats Seoul and Houston beats Florida, like that's just not going to be a thing. It'd be like if the gladiators played the valiant when the valiant word valiant China. Right. Yeah. No one called that the battle for LA anymore. So I don't know. I, I could be surprised. Each bracket is tough because in the bottom one, somehow you have a fully APAC match originally and then a fully Western match originally. So nothing shocking, but like, you know, good overwatch, high level overwatch in the top in the West bracket. You've got the best team in the West versus a top team in APAC. So who knows what that's going to look like? This could be like rock, paper, scissors. And Atlanta has been playing scissors and Hangzhou plays paper. I don't know. Uh, you've got Boston, London, which is a top team in the West versus Reinhardt, 
played at maybe the highest level we've ever seen in Overwatch League. Uh, so it's going to be a real mess. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I could so easily see Atlanta and Boston coming out of the West and Houston and Florida coming out of the East. But this genuinely does feel a little bit like anything could happen. And maybe that was the point of it being such a cluster of a, a selection show. Yeah, it's being as informed as you are about the APAC teams. Like, yeah, if we wanted to build some brackets, I, it, that would probably be the that would be the four that I'd pick to come out. Right. I'd at Homer pick us to come out instead of Hangzhou or London. And then I'd pick the three teams that were above us. Right. So it's just. Yeah, I don't think I don't think either of us would come up with anything too exciting. Uh, I mean, I don't know if we want to say like who we think is going to win it all, or if we just want to like let that be a thing that just kind of exists in our heads. That way, we don't kind of like jinx anything if there's like some miracle runs or anything like that. But I I don't think either of us would have too shocking an opinion on how these playoffs turn out. Hangzhou upsets Atlanta because Atlanta also has not watched any of APAC games this season, like the rest of us. And we beat London and Lip London knocks Atlanta. Atlanta. <laughs> well, fair enough. Hear me out though. Crackpot theory. Hangzhou beats Atlanta. We beat London. London beats Atlanta. And they're gone. Poof. Like they never even existed. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, my my crackpot theory is the four best teams in the West are the four best teams <laughs> in general. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, London throws a wrench into all of this but no more, no less than any other good team would, right? Like what I, what I, what I'm already upset about, (laughs) what I'm already upset about is the idea that we could have to play London in our first match, regardless of who wins. If you assume Atlanta beats the spark, we then have to play them again. And that's just so stressful as an uprising fan. If you're telling me that I have to beat London three out of three times to make the grand finals, are you kidding me? Yeah, this is a rough bracket for us in general. I we we are in a honest. We'll get really good at playing them by the end of it. Uh, I think we'll. I don't think there'll be a team better suited for playing against Rush than us at that point. But and I guess it, it is it is two out of three times. I suppose we could lose and go down to losers bracket and then play them again. But still, that's still two out of three times you have to win against London. That is a gamble. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's it feels like we should win but it's so hard to say it confidently it's just one of those things it is it's not even a trap game because trap games like you feel like you're supposed to win it's just a game that is like london has now replaced vancouver but with actual merit of being the team i'm the most like terrified of like vancouver was still a very good team but a lot of that was just like historic london is just a team that is hard to figure out or the easiest to figure out. This is the thing. You'd think that with one comp, like it's not a surprise what they're going to run. And yet they're just running it at such a high level. I don't know. I, I think there's there's a world where, to your point, we are the best prepared to play them. And we are the most capable of beating them in this Reinhardt rush, dive, teleport, whatever style um, that other teams would definitely struggle with. <laughs> It's kind of not fair. They just threw it on us again, but yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I don't. Yeah. That's <laughs> uh. any thoughts on Houston, Florida as the only other match on day one where we've watched both teams at some point this season. Uh, I mean, like Houston has a higher pedigree 
uh, of, of players in general, but Florida has just been like this super consistent rock star team. So um, having neither of them seen like this newer version of the meta, I kind of feel more confident in Florida, but it's, it's not by much. Like I wouldn't be violet, happy shoe um pelican and fearless being a good team is not something that's hard to believe so um i personally i'd pick florida but it's it's a three two like there's no way that this comes out as something that isn't a super close game is there a world where the who are you signing hurts them either he underperforms or trying to like integrate him this late in the season messes things up oh i mean there's there's definitely um i I'd like to think that they don't because I feel like they're just trying to make sure they have like a Genji calling him a one trick sounds somewhat accurate, but harsh um, like a, a Genji one trick in their back pocket. But uh, it could. I mean, it, it yeah, it obviously definitely can. Uh, I don't think it will enough. But if it does, uh, like if Florida ends up falling flat on their face, that's going to be an opportunity where I blame one person and it's either he who are you or the coaching staff for saying a shakeup like this is a good idea but it's going to be somehow related to that signing yes compared to what things were like previously this is the one one variable has changed here yeah so uh, yeah i i think pretty confidently on florida on that one just you know it's it's playoffs anything can happen yeah i mean i'm so i i admit it it was a little bit out there to assume spark are going to beat atlanta and then they're going to get eliminated in the first losers round match i do think that there's something to be said for because did was there plans for the east yeah because people got mad yeah like o2 blast like probably should have got in but it seemed like they just wanted Overwatch teams to. I like saw some guffaw on Reddit about it, but nothing that obviously nothing only that only teams that paid the massive buy-in fee are allowed to participate in the playoffs for the t- for the league. I I think that's kind of fair. Yeah, I mean, but also those teams bailed you out of like not having a sustainable system in the East. That's totally fair as well. Yeah. Uh, wow, Dallas ran train. Oh my god, they beat Shanghai 3-0, they beat Dynasty 3-0, and they beat Dynasty 3-1. So, all right. It, it I have no benchmark. Because we've had literally like no crossover this season, I have no idea how good Dallas Fuel are, even compared to Western teams. Like APAC could be better. Like Dallas could be better. The top three teams in the East could all be better than Atlanta, for all we know. We don't. APAC can't be better. They it's just they can't like they've been playing less teams so they kind of can just get in their own little like micro bubble and then they only had two candidates come through as much of a joke of the mvp race was like they only had two candidates come through that entire region and they both came from one team like it's just i i multiple candidates from one team how ridiculous yeah so, but it's just like an entire region only had one team worth calling someone an MVP. Like, how is like how are Hanbin and Sparkle not doing well? That like that was the case, but it, it's just it's just it feels like everything that uh, the Overwatch League socials have told me is that there's just not enough going on in that region. In in my super outsider and on opinion or like uneducated opinion. Yeah, that's fair. I will say, looking at this, Spark Atlanta is going to be two teams that have not played in several weeks. London Boston is going to be two teams that have been grinding for the last two weeks. Dallas had to win Eastern play-ins to beat, 
and they're playing the Soul Infernal, who haven't played in several weeks at this point. And Houston, Florida, neither has played in several weeks. So I am wondering, are we going to see some, I don't know, do you expect rust? Do you expect wildly different comps because they've just been tinkering in secret for the last few weeks? I'm not 100% sure. I could also see a world where both Spark and Atlanta have that rust and need to shake it off. And whoever wins Boston versus London comes in just having continued their dominant winning streak, right? Like whichever team you look at, they're 2-0 and in recent memory and will be 3-0 and to face Atlanta or the Spark. I don't know. I, I think momentum is a big thing in this game. And I'd be curious to see how that plays out with some of these teams having been, you know, AFK, not really. I'm sure they're practicing, right? But like away from actual high pressure competition for several weeks versus the teams that have been in the thick of it this whole time. Or the teams that have been in the thick of it burnt out. I don't know. Yeah, also the teams that have been in the thick of it haven't been... Like, I'm sure all the teams that qualified, like, I don't know if they all scrim against each other, but it's like scrims against lesser teams can't really be that helpful, right? So it's like, do you scrim against each other and then you all kind of build this little meta that the people that were fighting for the playoffs don't even know about yet? And then now are they kind of being let in and they're trying to catch up? And yeah, there's just... The trajectories of all those teams have just been so different over the past couple of weeks that it's it's going to be. I don't think we're going to see anything too crazy. But then again, I'm now remembering uh, with the meta that we had last year with the um, the Kiriko like Reaper meta. Apparently, they for play. a while, yeah. So people were playing that with Tracer for a while, and it was a very like team centric thing. And then like one time in scrims, a team played Reaper. And it just dominated. Then everyone just like was like, oh, okay, yeah, no, this is the way that you play this. So I can totally see that that could have happened. And then, you know, your Houston's and Florida's of the world don't really care to scrim against Boston because they've been scrimming against the Atlanta and, you know, Seoul and whatever. So then they have a better way to play it that they saw in a scrim from another team one time. And, you know, you're Boston's London's just not the London would care. Um, they just haven't seen it. So yeah, there is a world where there's just some little like nugget that they know that just squeaks out that extra, you know, 10% that you need to just be that much better at these comps. And, and we just don't know it. So it's, I, it, I will not believe that they are just sandbagging, right? It's not like, you know, New yeah. York when they qualified super early in season one, right? So I, I don't think Rust is the likely candidate, but I do think that if anything, they're just going to be playing like a hero that is kind of the thing that just kind of breaks this meta open is going to be my guess. I mean, that feels kind of inherently high risk, high reward too, right? Because you're assuming you found in your little lab environment scrimming against other teams that like this is it this is the way to go maybe you've discovered beyblade and it's reaper kiriko maybe you found something that actually really doesn't work because of x y or z uh all i know is that you've got back-to-back days of four matches of overwatch league which is amazing then two matches and then you've got the true grand finals top four teams coming out of this bizarre bracket system it's going to be a lot of overwatch a lot of fun to watch to be there in person whatever and like if this is it for the league like go out with a bang i say take take a sick day from work you know binge all four matches each day go nuts because this this could be it but it's going to be a lot of fun yeah and uh for anyone who got tickets you get to see like more than one game which is a pretty good bang for your buck as opposed to every other time where you've just gotten to see four matches and then had to go 
I'm literally worried about like blood flow and like just sitting for four matches back to back. Like I know there's going to be breaks between games, but this is a lot in one day. <laughs> you're not going to be sitting at least if it's anything true. Like, uh, like Philly was, you're not sitting down. I mean, during Dallas versus soul infernal, I might, you know, take a nap, go check into my Airbnb, you know, it's going to be yeah, a pack. How, that's how, when you how buy good, your merch. How good it be? Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's the <laughs> walk and get a hot dog moment. The whole match. God, watch APAC just crush it, right? Watch Spark like beat Atlanta. Watch Dallas and Soul Infernal come out of the Eastern bracket. We're not prepared. Yeah, they, they like have a character that like none of us know is even in the <laughs> game because we're not watching it. We're like, wait, they can play with six people again? They, they've they already unlocked the like Bastion buff or like the Roadhog rework has just been in APAC for the last two months and nobody <laughs> knows about it. Oh, that would be the best way to just release something and not have it cause any like turmoil or leaking it's like no we literally just released it you just didn't know where to find it yeah we we didn't hide it we thought people would be talking about this on social media but no nothing yeah we uh, we gave us there's a character with 700 hp and then it gives itself 500 hp when it alts and no one seemed to be wanting to play it <laughs> god all right um so i don't know if you want to but i do have alpha trans alpha tribute let's do it and then let's call it a night all right sounds good ladies and gentlemen the moment you've all been waiting for it's time for alpha triumph alpha trivia We got uh, three questions because, um, again, he likes giving us three questions. Okay. Question one. What do the following Owl player careers all have in common? Shu, Kariv, Jinmu, Happy, and Nero. Okay. Shu and Nero played for uh, Toronto Esports, I think. Or maybe they were Uprising Academy at that point. Kariv currently plays coaches for Boston. Jinmu and Happy, I'm not seeing any. Happy and Jinmu, I have no idea. There's no, I don't think there's yeah. affiliation to Boston there. I don't think so. Something about contenders, but so many players come from contenders. What would be special about them? They, none of them have won a thing in anything, but like tons of players have done. <laughs> um, I don't know. All of them wish they were on the Boston Uprising this season. All right. Oh. That's our answer. Okay. Do you or do, I mean? Do you want to like? No, I, I got nothing. We, we got could nothing. just talk about it for like three hours, and I'd never be confident. As you yet. kept naming players, I kept like theories I had after the first one or two just kept dissolving through my hands, and now I have nothing. It, it's like doing a word search, and you're looking for a really long word, and you got like the first half, and then all of a sudden, like a cue like shows up in the middle, and you're yep. like, God, that, that wasn't it. Um, all right. While each of these players can be considered a franchise player for some owl team or another. They have each played for the Guangzhou Charge at some point. Jin, uh, Jinmu what? and Happy? I didn't realize Jinmu and... Oh, no, Happy definitely did. I didn't realize Jinmu played for the Charge. Huh. Maybe Kariv. I didn't know. I definitely knew that Shu, Happy, and Nero played for the Charge. But, uh, yeah, I didn't realize that uh, Jinmu did. Okay. All right. All right. Question two. Okay, what do the following... Oh, boy. What do the following Owl player careers all have in common? Neptuno... Finale, Shadowburn, Glister, and To You. Okay. Shadowburn 
has rookies played. that got cocky on Twitter for three hundred, Alex. <laughs> I don't. Tuyu doesn't seem like a cocky guy, but maybe. No, I just I heard Neptuno and Kevster and assumed. No, sorry, Neptuno finale shadow burn glister into you. Oh, glister not okay. Well, that would still maybe apply to glister. Okay, I don't know. I'm gonna guess it is they've played on a team where they're the only people that speak a language. Oh, that'd be good. That's my guess. Do you have another guess? No, that was definitely Neptuno's role on the Guangzhou charge at some point. And like Glister was playing for Paris at one point. All right. Similar to the last question, these players have all been on the same Owl team at some point. In this case, it was the Vegas slash Paris Eternal. Oh, that's right. Yeah, two you plays for Vegas now. Okay. All right. So, or, or at least the team formerly known as the Vegas Eternal. Right. Um, okay. So now uh, question three. We'll keep this in our back pocket, but he's obviously going to mix up what these are. It's not just going to be people that play for one team. Okay. And what about these teams? Fury. Oh, this one's easy. Fury, Hisu, Rascal, Funny Astro, and Hotba. I feel like you know it. Just say it. They all, they, they all played for the Fusion. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Did he trick okay. you with number three, or is it straightforward? Let's see. They have all played for the Fusion, and in this case, all of it was before the rebrand to the Soul Inferno. Hey, oh, there right, we go. Cool. We got one. Nice. You got one. One out of three. We we did it. We it's a team effort. You still. You, <laughs> I, I'm claiming your KSA win. So uh, I've, that's gonna... my one correct answer all season. I am going to harp on that as many times as I can. Dude, there's like one question I got right at a trivia night one time with my friends, and like I still think about it. So like it's it's totally fine. <laughs> all right, then I think that is going to wrap it up for us tonight. What do you think? I think so. All right, folks, I have been your host, Snowy. Tonight, I was joined by Danny Rand. As always. And uh, yeah, we got some exciting Overwatch League coming up. Check out the Discord. Check out the the Toronto channel if you're going to be in town for all the shenanigans. And if not, hope you've got comfy couch, big screen TV, PTO, sick day, whatever you got to do. There's going to be a lot of great Overwatch coming up soon. And uh, yeah, we will uh, catch you all on the flip side. Boston up. Put your head down and go to Canada. (laughs) You do need a visa. You do not need a visa. Sorry, let me clarify that. You don't need a visa. You need a passport. That's it. Oh, okay. In I in my head when you said visa, I thought I should passport. not say anything of this nature so confidently. I was just pleasantly surprised to find that Canada's like, yeah, you're cool, bro. Just bring a passport or driver's something that proves you are who you say you are, and you're an American if you're coming from the U.S. Really, you don't need a passport. I should stop talking. Okay. <laughs> Go check the Canadian government website. But you don't need a visa unless you're playing in this tournament. I'll say that. That I feel confident about. Just cut it space. End it now before I say something even dumber.